Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches on pictures of victory. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. I want to talk about something this morning that's been stirring in my heart for several weeks now. And there's a particular phrase that the Holy Spirit gave me one day when I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And I knew that sooner or later it would materialize into a message for Faith Life Fellowship. And that's the way it works. God will speak to the pastor because the pastor needs to get it right. And then he needs to communicate it to the congregation. Amen. So the phrase... Pictures of victory has continued to come up in my spirit over the last two or three weeks as I've prayed in the Holy Ghost. So the essence of this message is that many times God will paint a picture in our hearts and minds before we face the battles of life so that we know the outcome. We know ahead of time that God sees us victorious even before the battle begins. Amen. Hence the title of this message pictures of victory. I want to share some stories from the Bible and then I'll share some personal examples that I think will bring this message home in a way that everybody can relate to. So that as we walk out our destiny in him step by step, level by level, we'll be more aware of the fact that God is continually communicating to us pictures of victory. These pictures can be formed through the reading of the word, the hearing of the word, through the spoken word of God, through a dream, through a vision, or even through a visitation. Let's begin and get right into the word here. Joshua chapter 6, very famous passage of scripture. We all should be familiar with this story, but I think we're going to see a few things we maybe haven't seen before. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See... I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This shall you do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets." It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Amen. As Joshua was sizing up the city of Jericho militarily the Lord begins immediately to paint a picture of victory for him. He says, see, I have given you the city of Jericho, along with its king and all its mighty men. He's wanting Joshua to see the city walls through the eye of faith. And I'm sure when the Lord said, see, I have given you the city, those walls look just as formidable as they did before. But God was challenging Joshua to look at those walls through the eye of faith and see those walls falling down flat. See, 
I have given you the city. The battle is already won. All you have to do is carry it out. Victory is assured. I'm giving you a picture of victory. Amen. Hallelujah. We all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But sometimes the word comes to us in the form of an image or a picture. Case in point is the dream that God gave to Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph had a dream that one day his whole family would bow down to him and that God would elevate him to a position of prominence somehow, some way, someday. Amen? Psalm 105, real quickly. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. It's talking about Egypt. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now notice that the Bible in the book of Psalms refers to the dream that Joseph had as the word of the Lord. Amen. So you can receive the word from the Lord in a number of ways. And many times he gives you a picture or an image that he wants you to latch hold of and listen to what he's showing you with that image. Hallelujah. So sometimes God will paint a picture with his word. Sometimes he'll give you the picture and expect you to supply the words. Oh, how does that work? It works like this. Okay, Lord, I had a dream. I saw that this circumstance will be worked out. I saw that the mountain before me will crumble. I saw that I will make it through this challenge. I believe it shall be even as you have shown me in the dream. Amen. That's how you make it into faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You take the image or the picture that he gives you and you convert it to words. And therefore, faith will rise in your heart to believe God that the picture he showed you will come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. Back to Joshua chapter six. Verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't read that verse without saying amen. Hallelujah. Notice here that Joshua now communicates the same vision that he received to his army using the exact same language that God used when he communicated it to him earlier. Amen. He was calling those things that be not as though they were and exhorting his men to do the same thing. They were to shout as if the walls were already down and the city was already theirs. Amen. Well, they shouted. And you know the story. The walls came crashing down and they took the city of Jericho. Praise the Lord. Verse 20. 
So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Glory to God. Amen. A wonderful example of what the Lord showed me, a picture of victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 6 is another great example. We'll start at verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Glory to God. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you know they were there all along? He just couldn't see them. Anyway, Elisha had infuriated the king of Syria because the Spirit of the Lord was always letting him know every move that the Syrian army had made or was about to make to gain a strategic advantage against the nation of Israel. And he would go straight to the king of Israel and inform him of the latest so that he was always one step ahead of the Syrian army. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that kind of intelligence operating in our nation's intel agencies? One guided by the Spirit of God that always keeps us one step ahead of the plans of the enemy against this nation. Hallelujah. So getting back to the story, the king of Syria was informed that Elisha was the source of all the intel leaks that were spoiling his plans to wage war on Israel. Amen. And he came looking for him in the city of Dothan. So the servant of Elisha got up early in the morning and took a stroll out on the city walls for a view of the countryside. Amen. He saw the host of Syria encamped about the city with multitudes of chariots and horses. Evidently, he went and found Elisha and said, What are we going to do? And Elisha told his servant, Relax, those that are with us are more than those that are with the enemy. My personal paraphrase of this whole episode goes something like this. Relax, man. I got a bodyguard that might be of use in this situation. Have a look. Amen. All right, so in the case of Elisha's servant, the Lord was painting a picture of victory for him through a supernatural vision. 
he was able to see into the spirit realm and saw the angelic army that was there to protect Elisha and anybody else that was with him. I don't know about you, but in that situation, I would get as close to Elisha as I could. Hallelujah. Once he saw what God saw, he relaxed and just waited for victory to manifest in what had previously seemed like a hopeless situation. Isn't that right? And if you read the rest of the story, Elisha had mercy on them and prayed that the Syrian army would be struck with blindness. And they were. If he had let the host of heaven loose on them, don't you know there wouldn't be a single man left alive? Elisha ended up leading the whole lot of them to the city of Samaria as prisoners where the king of Israel was advised by Elisha to give them food and water. Obviously, they were disarmed and send them home. Amen. Hallelujah. The last example from Scripture is in Acts chapter 27, and it is the story of Paul when he was on the ship The Roman centurion had been charged with taking him to Rome so that he could testify before Caesar. Picking it up here at verse 20. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. When all hope was lost and it looked like Paul and his company were going to be lost at sea, I believe the Apostle Paul was troubled in his spirit. He had a premonition earlier of danger if they sailed past the island of Crete. He warned the centurion that was in charge that it would likely cost them the cargo, the ship, and all of their lives. But his warning was not heeded. So Paul began to fast and pray and seek the Lord. He knew that he had to get to Rome and testify before Caesar. After some time, God sent an angel to let him know exactly how everything was going to play out. Yes, they would lose the cargo. Yes, they would lose the ship. But every man's life would be saved. Evidently, the word from the angel was detailed enough that he knew somehow, some way, it's going to end up that we're going to run aground on an island and we're going to find safe haven there. Amen? So the angel was sent to paint a picture of victory for the Apostle Paul in the midst of an otherwise hopeless situation. Amen? To let him know that he would indeed make it to Rome and the purpose of God for his life would be fulfilled. Amen. Glory to God. Now, there's three classic examples from the scripture how that the Lord will paint pictures of victory before the battle begins, before the situation develops, before the circumstances come against you to show you that you already have the victory so that you can stand through it all until that vision, until that image comes to pass in your life. Amen. And you don't have to be a person that's prone to visions and dreams like me, because when you read the word, The Word always produces images in your mind. 
And those images are just as supernatural and just as powerful as an open vision or a dream or a vision uh, that you hear people testify about. You read in the word that the Lord said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so that, you know, you can imagine whatever situation you're facing, you're going to be victorious. That's a picture of victory. So don't be discouraged if you're one of those people that doesn't dream and doesn't have that many visions. You can have the vision every day by reading your word and letting the Lord conjure up pictures of victory through the reading of his word or through the hearing of his word or through the meditating on his word. Amen. So I just wanted to make that clear. Sometimes when I speak to fellow Christians, I assume that everybody is like me and I usually have a dream or two a night and usually one or two visions every morning. If I go two weeks without uh, that routine, then I think I've missed it somehow. I'm in sin or something. I go to the Lord and say, what's going on, you know? And usually the Lord says, well, you haven't really addressed the dreams and the visions I showed you. You haven't taken any action. So as soon as you take action on those things I showed you a couple of weeks ago, then the spigot will turn back on again. That's the way it works with me. So I want to share a couple personal examples. One is uh, something that I call the white rhino money bag. And some of you have heard this, and uh, I, I just so blessed by it. I, I believe you need to hear it again, and I want to put it out there on the podcast. In the summer of 2014, Trish and I, when we were still living in Louisiana, we got invited by Dr. Egan Falk to go over to Tanzania to help him with an outdoor crusade in Bariati, which was a remote village near the uh, Kenyan border. And so it was a total act of faith to say, yes, we'll come because we did not have the money. By the time you pay for tickets and passports and shots and all of those kind of things, visa applications, you're talking about eight to $10,000 to take two people to Africa. And we didn't, at the time, have two nickels to rub together, okay? But I knew that the Lord was telling me it was time to go to Africa. In fact, my pastor said, it's time for you to go to Africa. So when Egan asked you to go, you need to go. I said, all right, Lord. Well, long story short, everything was taken care of. Everything except for on-hand cash. Our airline tickets were paid for. Our shots we paid for ourselves. Passports we paid for ourselves. Most everything was paid for, the really expensive stuff. But the visa application said that we had to have $3,600 cash on hand to enter the country. And we had 1200 We were $2,400 short. So about three weeks before, in the morning, just before dawn, at 138 Downing Court, Bossier City, Louisiana, <laughs> I was laying in the bed, and I closed my eyes. I was fully awake. I closed my eyes, and I had a vision. And the day before the vision, Trisha and I had been working in the garden out back, and we had planted some things, and there was sort of a, a bare area of just fresh soil where nothing had uh, sprung up yet. I saw that area where we had planted some things in our garden. Somebody came up with a rectangular, to me it looked like a woman's purse, and it had a zipper on the top. At least that's what I thought at the time. And it was ivory-colored. And this person took the uh, money bag, which is what I eventually knew that it was, and he planted it in the dirt in the garden. And when he did, it buried itself into the garden. And a few seconds later, it sprung up into a little baby white rhino, which ran off into the garden. And then I woke up. 
I said, all right, Lord, explain this to me. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, someone will sow a seed that will make up the difference so you have all the money you need to get to Africa. And I said, why the white rhino? And he said, look it up. And I found out that the three most recognizable animals in Africa are the zebra, the elephant, and the rhino. And so I said, okay, that's a symbol of new things in my life. Little baby white rhino and white means it's pure. It's of the Holy Ghost. It was birthed by him. Okay. And we got to the Wednesday night before we were getting on a plane on Thursday to go to Africa. And Pastor Sam said, make sure I know you're packing and everything and getting ready to go. But make sure you come to service tonight. We want to pray and release you into this ministry. So we went that night to service, and Pastor Sam called us up and prayed over us. Just prayed a, you know, wonderful anointing. Lord, be with them, strengthen them, protect them, let them be productive uh, for the gospel. Let them help Dr. Egan in this crusade be very, very successful. Amen. And we started walking away, and Pastor Sam said, wait a minute, wait a minute, come back up here. And I knew we were in for a wild ride. And we got back up there, and he said, you know, the Lord just told me we need to take up an offering for you, and we're going to do that right now. And he instructed the congregation. He said, this is not for Word of Life. This is for Scott and Trish. So if you're writing a check, write it out to them. So they took up an offering. And then the church administrator was standing right over my right shoulder, and he said, after church is over, come see me, and we'll give you, you know, whatever this amount is. I said, great. And so at the end of the service, Craig beat me to the punch. He came up to me. He said, well, you ready to go? Y'all know Craig. You know that's a pretty good impression. And he said, let's go back to the usher's office. Went back to the usher's office, opened the door. He went back to the safe on the wall. He dialed the combination. He opened up the safe. And he pulled out a white ivory money bag. And he handed it to me. He said, be careful. It's $2,400, which was the exact amount that we needed to get to Africa. Amen. Glory to God. God showed us a picture of victory, and I stood on it every day for three weeks until it manifested. I mean, it came at the very last moment, but it came nevertheless. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. And now I want to share a vision of healing which has not yet manifested, but I feel compelled to do this. And I've promised Kathy Greason that I would get this on tape. So I decided to take this opportunity preaching to you this morning that we'll get this on on the recording so that she can uh, listen to it on the podcast. Back in April, however many months that is ago, Robert and Kathy, who belonged to our church, were out playing tennis. It was the first time they had decided to play tennis and probably, well, Both of them played tennis before they got married, but I think he said it had been 20 years since either of them had played tennis. But Trisha and I encouraged them to go get out there and start playing tennis again because we want somebody to play tennis with, you know. Trisha is an avid tennis player, and I just, I'm a tag-along, but I love to play, amen. And uh, so they went out to the courts, and on the first day that they were out there, Kathy suffered a fall. She fell on her left-hand side. She broke her left shoulder, broke her left hip. And then when she was in the hospital and they were working on her, she had a stroke, which took out the right side of her body. So get the picture. Her left side has been crushed, and then her right side has no feeling. 
So it was a very, very devastating attack. And I remember that when she had the stroke, I got a text from Robert at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and he said, you know, they've determined that she had a stroke. And I said, I'll be there as soon as I can. And it was probably close to 3 o'clock before I got to the hospital. But I stayed there till about 5.15. We only live about a quarter mile away from the hospital. And she was in really bad shape. And I remember just being grieved in my spirit. I was angry. I said, Lord, you sent these people to my church, and then the devil comes to try and take her out. I am angry about this. I'm not standing for this. In the name of Jesus, I am holding fast the word of faith, and I believe God that she'll be healed, that she'll be set right, that everything the enemy tried to bring against her will be reversed and she'll be restored. So I was saying that as I drove home from the hospital, and I remember walking in the door, and the digital clock that's sitting at the back of the sanctuary right now was in our our little kitchenette area. And it said 529. I just remember it was 529 in the morning. I went up to the bedroom, tried not to wake my wife, and I slipped into the bed, and I laid down. I shut my eyes, and immediately I had a vision. I walked into a hospital room. I knew it was Kathy Greason's hospital room. I saw a picture window, a sunny day, trees out back, a flower bouquet with a helium balloon, and her hospital bed cranked up like a chair. Only Kathy was not in the bed or in the chair. And I said in the vision, where's Kathy? And I caught a glimpse of her to my left, and she was just out of my field of view to the left. And she was standing there. She had a pair of blue jeans on. She had a red jacket on. Her hair was done really nicely. It was down on her shoulders. And her makeup was beautiful. She was gorgeous. She was beautiful. But she was completely restored. Completely healed. There was no evidence of anything that had happened to her. And I came out of the vision. And I said, Lord, I know you're showing me a picture of victory. And I need to hold on to this. Furthermore, I need to share this with Robert and Kathy so they can hold on to it. Well, by the time I had a chance to go and and uh, speak with Robert and Kathy, they had moved her from the seventh floor down to the fourth floor. Now, when I went at three o'clock in the morning, obviously it was dark and there were no trees out there outside of her uh, hospital room. And there was no bouquet with a healing balloon. But I remember I went up to the fourth floor and I walked into her room. It was about midday or so, and I was stunned because I walked into the room exactly to every detail as I had seen it in the vision. I saw her bed cranked up like a chair. I saw the bouquet. I saw the healing balloon. I saw the picture window. I saw two big old oak trees, and I saw the sun shining through the window exactly as I'd seen it in the vision. The only difference was that Kathy was now in the chair. And the Lord said, I showed you how I see her. Now you need to see her that way until it manifests, until complete victory is manifested. You need to see her that way, and she needs to see herself that way. So I shared the vision with Kathy, and I've shared it a number of times since then. But she asked me to put it down, and so this is partly in response to her request. But also, this is an example of a picture of victory. Amen.
glory to God. So will you believe God with me that that picture will be realized? That picture of victory will be manifested in Kathy Greeson's life. And I declare and I decree she shall be even as it was shown unto me. She shall walk and talk and preach better than she did before it happened. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me wrap it up by saying this. When God gives you a picture of victory, whether through the written word of God, through a spoken word of God, through a dream, a vision, or even through a visitation, you have a right to hold on to that picture, hold on to that image until you see it manifest, until you see it come to pass. Amen. If it were not so, God would not have shown it to you in the first place. Amen. You can say just like the Apostle Paul said, when all hope seemed lost or when facing impossible odds, you can say, I believe it shall be even as it was shown unto me by the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Let that be your declaration. Let that be your decree. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Father, I release pictures of victory into this church. Lord, those that have not had visions, I release visions into their life. Those that have not had dreams, I release dreams into their life. Lord, I release pictures of victory through the written word, through the spoken word, through a visitation, through dreams, through visions in the name of Jesus. And I decree that as they hold to these pictures, that victory will be manifest in their life in every area, in finances, in health, in relationships, in their calling, in their ministry. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Pictures of Victory. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and He's coming back again.